Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. Dear Young Rocker, so here we are on the brink of another musicless phase. The familiar hole that's left in you when you turn away from music has been opened so many times that it's morphing into a black hole, and black holes are hungry. They have an intense gravity to them. They can never be satisfied, no matter how much of the universe they suck up. They rip apart entire planets, demanding more and more. That gravity is inside you, and you're letting it drive you instead of driving yourself. You'll let others decide what's right for you because it just feels too hard to ever stop that black hole from spinning and to take back control from it. But at the very bottom of that hole is what's called a singularity, a simple truth. It's trying to send a signal up to you, but you can't hear it, and you think there's nothing down there but black. But there's always a point of light somewhere down in the dark. It's just hard to sense it sometimes amidst the chaos that's drowning it out. You're about to start losing yourself again, as we all do from time to time. It will be a very weird journey back, And that's all I'll say about it for now. I usually like to take a second here and see if the mistakes you're making are being echoed in my present life. But I can say with certainty that this next one will never happen again. It's time. I look in the mirror and fix my freshly dyed red hair. I'm going to play jazz on stage for the first time. Probably the last, too. I adjust my white long sleeve button up under my black sweater vest. It keeps bugging me how, no matter what I do, the shirt bunches up underneath, but I can't mess with it anymore. I guess I look like a jazz person. My mom's in my room. She's chatting with my new roommate, Mary, and I'm on my way out the door going to warm up with the rest of my ensemble group. Second semester is the first time music majors have to perform. We'll be playing some boring jazz standards. Well, one of them at least is a samba. I just play root fifth in it, but at least the rhythm is more fun. I've decided today that I'll play the easiest versions of the bass lines with my pre-decided fills and little walking things every few measures over and over again. I won't improvise or try things in different octaves, and I'll just repeat the same exact bass line each time we play through the chart. It might be boring, but that's better than taking a crap on stage in front of the music department. 
I try to remember to breathe in and out while I walk to the building. I'm shivering a little in the wind. By the time we're actually on the stage, about to go, I'm sweating and my armpits are creating that extra smelly, stressed out smell. So I try to keep my elbows down to spare everyone. I practice the first few notes in my head and then I play them. hands are trembling, but I'm able to channel it into what looks like a cello vibrato on every note. Not a normal thing for an electric bass player, but Chuck always says my cello left hand gives me a good tone. I can't think about doing any of the other optional bass lines or fills I've come up with and practiced at rehearsal. I can barely handle keeping the most basic one going. It's like my brain isn't working at all. But luckily, my hands remember this one line perfectly on their own. I wonder if the music teachers can all smell it on me that I'm not a real jazz person. When I walk off the stage, Aaron and my mom come over to me and we walk out to the parking lot. As I hug my mom goodbye, she looks teary-eyed. She pulls away, grabs my hand really hard, looks in my eyes and says, I'm so proud of you and so happy you're my daughter. It wasn't that great of a performance. What is she, like, dying of brain cancer? I don't get it. What's with all the emotion? She looks at Aaron doesn't say anything to him. When I get back to my room, I find out what's up. Mary tells me that my mom had told her how much she wishes I wasn't dating Aaron and actually cried about it. What the hell? I can't believe it. We go hiking, I go to yoga class, I go to the gym together. What the hell is so terrible about that? She's the one who always points out I need to lose weight. Jesus, sorry that I found someone who's helping me get healthy. And he likes me for more than my body. So what that he doesn't have a degree at 23? He's got a job at least. And he gets it. How everything's connected in some invisible way. And we can tap into that if we just get on the right wavelength. I still don't feel connected to many people, but I feel connected with him. I need that. He's so in tune to me. He knows what I'm feeling before I say it. I don't even care that his face is weird looking anymore. I mean, it's mostly because of the scar from his accident anyway. He can't help that. Jeez. I decide that I'm not going to call her anymore. And if she calls me, I'm not picking up, and I am not going home on the weekend. I'll stay at Aaron's. She'll probably be pissed when I drop the music major. She doesn't get it. I'm just not cut out for it. And he loves me. He'll love me no matter what I do, even if I drop out of school altogether. 
maybe that's what I need. Take some time, you know? Just do yoga and figure out how to breathe. When the emails came for us to sign up for our next semester music major classes and then to audition to get sorted into the ensembles for next year, they made me feel queasy. So I just deleted them. (gasps) Deciding what to do with my major has made me so anxious and upset that I finally just decided to not think about it at all. Talking about it with my parents didn't help, so I decided to not do that either. My mom had just said I could push through the hard oral skills classes. She doesn't get it, how much of a musical failure I am. I'm just a wannabe musician who's gotten this far on trying too hard alone and faking it, but that can't take you all the way. I decided to stay on campus this summer so I don't have to hang out with my mom, and I can go hiking and to the beach and stuff way easier from here. I think the housing office messed up because I have a double room to myself. I pushed the beds together to make one big one. There's actually no one else on my floor at all, and it's this super old building from the 1920s from when it was a textile college. It's got big creaky doors and old yellow flickery lights in the hallway and creepy high ceilings. I get kind of freaked out when I open the huge wooden door to go into the giant bathroom alone. I always imagine someone could be hiding in one of the dozen stainless steel toilet stalls or showers. I don't want to think what would happen if someone creepy found out I'm up here by myself. Sometimes I even just toss and turn the entire night instead of getting up when I have to pee because... I can't deal with going there when it's dark. My plan for the summer was to get a job around here and make some money instead of sitting around at home. It turns out that working at the Cracker Barrel, the only place that would accept me as a waitress with no experience, is literal hell on earth. I'm nervous for my first class but I'm glad Aaron's with me. The place is on the second floor of a nice-looking colonial-styled strip mall. When I reach the top of the stairs, I'm greeted with a hug by a petite, four-foot-ten Korean woman with a ponytail that hangs far down her back and a big, unrestrained smile. She has these wire-rimmed glasses that are too big for her face and a slight lazy eye. She is so innocent and childlike seeming. She asks my name and then says, I am Elizabeth Son. Pangap Samnida Chelsea Dawunim. I don't know any Korean, but the words sound so soft and warm. I smile at the greeting and go into the classroom. 
Aaron and I found out about this place from the brochure tacked to the bulletin board at Life Alive. I was attracted to the simple white brochure with a person on the cover wearing what looks like a white karate uniform and a goofy smile. It said, Are you feeling anxious? Depressed? Need more energy? Vitality? Trouble sleeping? Difficulty making decisions? Hard to concentrate? Not sure what your true life purpose is? If one or more of these apply to you, then sign up for a free introductory class at our center. Wow, I said, that's me. I knew I needed this, and Aaron agreed. Hell yeah, dog. Let's do it, he said. The classroom is a butter-yellow, perfect square with high-vaulted ceilings. With my shoes off, I notice that the floor is squishy, like in a little kid's playroom. The space is pretty bare, except for a small bookcase and tea set in one corner. There are four tall dormer windows that let in a lot of light. I feel the soft floor on my feet and the sunlight on my face through the windows. It feels like I'm lighter than I was before. Breathing already seems easier here. Six or seven middle-aged women arrive after me and Aaron. Most of them have on a loose white uniform that reminds me of my childhood karate classes. This all feels familiar and comfortable to me. All of us students arrange ourselves into an orderly grid, and Elizabeth tells us we'll start by warming up our energy center, or Don John. This, I learn, involves standing with your feet wide apart, bowed legs, and tightened abs kind of like you're riding a horse. While breathing rapidly, Elizabeth shows us how to pop our lower abdomen out on our in-breaths and suck it in firmly on the out-breaths. Our hands are in fists, and with one fist at a time, we firmly punch ourselves in the center of our lower abdomen, right below the belly button. Right, left, right, left. We do this one fist over the other in a rhythm set by Elizabeth counting in Korean. It's kind of like a speed bag, but on your own body. It begins at about one hit per second and speeds up as Elizabeth smiles more and more and yells louder and louder. She keeps looking right at me and winking. I can't help but smile back, even though I don't know why. Soon enough, we've done the 300th punch. I don't feel tired. Next, we start doing exercises that remind me of kindergarten phys ed. We reach way up high and down to our toes. We pretend to be riding horses around the room and then pretend to be hula hooping. We walk in circles on our tippy toes and pump our fists over our heads. I realize for one second that for once, I'm not worried about what I look like, even though I'm doing ridiculous stuff. We're all doing it. I feel my shyness coming off of me, like I'm throwing off a heavy, soaking wet wool coat. Elizabeth's smile doesn't recede at all as she instructs us 
Neither does mine. As we stretch and move, she repeats, Oh, shoni da, feels so good. It does feel good. It's amazing how nice it can feel to simply move your wrist or ankle or arm in a circle when you simply pay attention to it and breathe deeply. Every little part of me I stretch and direct my breath to seems to tingle. How come I never noticed how wonderful it is to have a body and move it until this tiny Korean woman pointed it out to me? I can't remember the last time I felt this way. I start saying, Shonida, aloud to myself with some of the other women. Elizabeth smiles at me when I say it. I smile back. Soon, large knots of tension suddenly begin leaving my shoulders and chest. I feel like my body's coming to life. It's fluid and unburdened, like I'm a toddler exploring how to move in my brand new body. I think back to how I'd been creeping around campus this whole year, unconsciously shrugging my shoulders up to my neck and then laying in bed for so many hours avoiding life that my legs and back are always cramped and sore. This release is euphoric. Next, we sit down cross-legged in our grid formation on the soft floor and close our eyes. Elizabeth turns on the stereo, and I hear the sound of a single large drum being beaten one beat at a time, slowly. She tells us to nod our heads to the beat in any direction or any way we want. I close my eyes and imagine I'm on a slowly rocking oar ship. I picture an ogre-like man shouting, whoa, whoa, with every beat of the drum. We nod faster and faster. Elizabeth encourages us to expand our movements to our arms and shoulders. I open my eyes and see her moving her arms in a silly, wiggly way that reminds me of SpongeBob SquarePants. The rhythm becomes more complex, and the drums increase in volume and tempo. Elizabeth tells us to stand up if we feel the energy. After a few more seconds, she says, Shake your brains! And I feel myself pop up to my feet and start swinging my arms and bouncing up and down, seemingly without deciding to. Is this what it's like to be on ecstasy, I wonder? The drumming continues to increase in pace and volume, and my moves become wilder and faster. Eventually, I'm jumping completely off the floor with my arms raised and laughing right out loud. I peek around at the other women. Most don't seem to have a great sense of rhythm, but are moving wildly like drunk little kids. I'd been avoiding looking at Aaron to stay inside my own experience like Elizabeth told us to, but I can't resist peeking at him anymore. He's so into it that he looks like he's having some type of seizure. And after two seconds of witnessing this, I feel like I might throw up from laughing. The drums slowly slow down and fade out to silence. 
and we all sit down again. Elizabeth tells us to take in a big breath and then let out a huge sigh and say, Oh, Shoni Da, feels so good. She hits a button on the stereo again, and a slow, simple melody played on piano and violin starts. We close our eyes and sit quietly with it. It has a nostalgic tone. The violin seems to be crying. It affects me deeply. I get that strong feeling like I'm longing for someone or something in a past life that I can just almost remember. Short flashes of faces and places from old photographs pop into my head. I can't totally recognize any of them, but they seem to mean something. It's the same sensation I got from my favorite music when I was really, really young. For a second, I think I can hear the drum beat from earlier continuing in the background. But I realize it's just my own heart beating strongly. As this music plays, we're instructed to bring our hands into a shape in front of our chest, but keep our palms a few inches apart. We're told to let our elbows and shoulders hang completely slack and just focus on the sensation in our palms and no other part of our body. Elizabeth says, This is energy meditation. Your arms are just floating. Forget they exist. I am amazed at how quickly I'm able to actually achieve this. I focus on the feeling between my hands to see if it's, as she says, light or heavy, warm or cold, and if it has a color. As I breathe in, I push my palms slightly together, and then I let them float apart as I breathe out. After a minute, it feels like someone else is moving my hands. In another minute, I sense a small, fuzzy something floating between my palms. I want to open my eyes to see it, but I know it might disappear if I do that. The thing seems to grow and become heavier and heavier. In my mind, I see it as bright gold, and I have this sensation of falling in love with it. I know it came from me. It's my own energy coming back, my power, my life force, my aura. It's definitely gold. Somehow, I knew it would be. That's my color. And I know exactly what it is. I read this book recently about how if two plants that live together are separated, and then you cause one of them distress by holding a lighter up to its leaves, other plant senses it and puts out distress signals. I gave the book to Aaron because I knew he'd get it. It's about the reason we can make plants grow by singing to them, or how people can heal themselves with prayer or meditation. I personally think it has to do with quantum physics, scientific mysteries we're still working on. There's a force we can all tap into. And right now, 
I have mine at my fingertips. I can use this energy, I think. I can do things with it, whatever I want. I don't have to be a scared, lonely person hiding in a dorm room forever. With this, I can be the real me. Then Elizabeth says, Feel the authentic you inside of you. A tingle shoots up my spine. She can hear inside my head. Elizabeth tells us as we meditate in her thick Korean accent, You need to remember your true self now. Through our daily life, we get disconnected from what we truly want, who we truly are, and our real self suffers. Our soul is sad. Remember your real self. Say your name and say, I love you, and give yourself a hug. I say, I love you, Chelsea, quietly to myself. Hearing my voice say this is strange. I notice how similar it sounds to my mom's when I'm saying something caring. But it isn't my mom loving me. It's me loving me. I start crying. I'm crying for feeling loved by someone whose love I had never thought I'd ever feel. As I think about all the horrible things I've thought about myself and my body, maybe this is how I can feel fulfilled without having to play in a band. Other yoga classes I've been to always ended with people drinking water, especially physically demanding ones like this. But instead... We sit in a circle and have a tea time. Elizabeth hands me a small cup with no handle on it. I hold it with one hand underneath and one over the top as I see the others doing. I open my hands and take a sip. The tea is delicious. It tastes like cinnamon and some subtle herbs I've never tried before. When we leave, we all say, It means something about us recognizing each other on our own individual paths toward becoming our true selves. I think that's kind of what Elizabeth said. She tells me to stay in the classroom while everyone else files out to go home. She takes both of my hands in her tiny ones in a tight grip, looks deeply into my eyes, and asks me, Are you going to come back? Will you do this for yourself, Chelsea Dawunim? I feel like she knows everything I thought through the entire class. She knows how I feel more alive than I have in a while. I tell her, yes, I definitely will. We go into the office, and there's another woman, a very tall woman with short hair. She introduces herself as the master. She also takes my hands and looks deeply into my eyes. Her energy makes me feel like I'm meeting someone with magic powers, like she could lift a house over her head if she wanted to. You're special. We're happy you're here, Chelsea Dawunim, she says. Wow, I guess they really think I'm something. 
and it's mutual. I hand her my debit card for the $250 monthly membership. I hold my breath after she swipes the card. But luckily, it doesn't decline. I must have just enough money in my account to cover it. I don't care how expensive this is. I need this feeling again, this connection to myself. Elizabeth instructs me to do my homework by practicing the abdomen punching for at least five minutes a day between now and the next class. I know I will. I'm watching Aaron ride a mountain bike around the store with the price tag flapping against the front wheel. We've both tried for over an hour at this point to get someone to help us ring it up so we can go home. At this point, I think we've talked to all three of the humans that seem to staff this entire giant warehouse building. So we've started moving toward the front door, assuming someone will notice us and say something. We get to the front where the line of 15 registers is. There's only one open, and it's number one, way down the other end of the store. We're right in front of the exit doors. We turn in a circle. There's no greeter or receipt checker or anyone who seems to work here anywhere. We look at each other. I have a new bike lock in my hand to go along with the new bike. I walk right up to the automatic door, assuming I'm about to hear someone yell, Miss, miss. My back muscles tense up. I step one foot out, and then the next one. I keep a casual face. Aaron slowly rides on his new bike right behind me and right out through the doors. Once we're halfway across the parking lot to my car, I feel the rush. Free stuff. It's like the same sweating and heart-pounding parts of anxiety, but instead of dread and depression with it, it's total euphoria. I really never feel bad after. This is our biggest get yet. As I put the convertible top down on my little two-door RAV4 and Aaron hefts the bike into the trunk, I think about how, of course, we would never do this kind of thing at a store owned by regular people. But these dumb chains have budgets just for shrinkage, as they call it, and their CEOs live in mansions with servants and make billions off of their poor, overworked employees who have to take some depressing bus to this depressing, windowless job every damn day to barely afford to feed their kids. So who cares? Plus, the people working there clearly don't give a crap about us doing it, and I know some poor little child in Asia only got paid three cents to make the $80 Nike leggings I snagged. So I'm happy to say screw you to the evil capitalists. Aaron says it's karmically okay if we only take stuff to help us be healthy. So we get a lot of sporting goods. As we get to my car, I wonder aloud to Aaron 
if there's cameras in the parking lot, like up on the light poles, like could they see my license plate? I don't even technically own my own car, so the police would be calling my dad. Even better if we got pulled over. I know there's weed in my glove box right now. I don't think any of that would help my parents like Aaron anymore. We drive out of the parking lot with the bike hanging out of the back of my car, and that T.I. and Rihanna song comes on the radio, and we sing along. You're going to be a shining star in fancy clothes and fancy cars, and then you'll see you're going to go far because everyone knows just who you are. So live your life. Hey, 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 hey. Dear young rocker, God, I wish I could tell you to Google Dawn Yoga before you go to that class. But anyway, here you are, in the age before people looked up Google reviews for everything, going blindly forth looking for someone or something outside of you to fix the feelings you have inside of you. I'm so sorry, but it never ever works that way. As cheesy as it is, it's true that you are always in charge of your own happiness. Other people can help you learn to support yourself, though, which you are unfortunately too stubbornly independent to look for, even though now is a time you could really, really use some support. Maybe a therapist or psychiatrist who's patient and understanding or some friends. I know why friends are hard for you. And I totally get why you don't really want to see a psychiatrist. One reason you're unhappy is because, again, you found a way to feel disconnected from the people and situation around you and yourself. Now that you aren't sure about your future as a music major, You've stopped trying to talk to the people staying in the program because you don't think they'll like you anymore for being unsure and dropping out. But I bet if you talk to other music majors more, you'd find out other people are having the same doubts and struggles that you are. Ultimately, you haven't given the people at school a chance or trusted them. And then you just assumed they aren't like you or wouldn't get it. It's just the newest form of the excuse you always use to keep you from getting close to other people. You have this innate thing that makes you think and feel that you're different from others. And it's always your reason for not connecting. There will never magically be some situation you feel connected to or some new identity you can take on and suddenly have all your problems disappear and magically be part of a perfect group that instantly accepts you for you. But you'll always imagine those things exist and that you can just go and find them and become a part of it, like you're doing now with Dawn Yoga. It's a vital mistake that all humans make. But those of us who grow up realize that the yoga class or the major 
or the person we want to date will never change all the things inside of us. None of this outside stuff will ever create security inside. You need to accept yourself and connect with yourself. And you know that. And that's why these people are starting to get to you. Because they're showing that you are capable of it. But the secret is you don't need them to do it. They just make it seem like you do. You don't need to pay them $250. No outside force can instantly provide permanent security in your life. The only true form of security is within yourself. Once you're secure within yourself, you can tolerate the constant barrage of intensely insecure situations that life inevitably throws at everyone, such as your major getting difficult. I don't want to say too much about Aaron, besides, the signs were all there. I know, since you're so uninvolved in school and friends, that you need an outlet. You wanted adventure and new experiences, and you found a source of that. Hiking in the woods at night without a flashlight, shoplifting, and thinking you can achieve magic powers with meditation. It's a thrill and takes the pressure off of deciding what to do with yourself. But when you let other people decide what to do with you, you will find yourself unhappy sooner or later. But I know I don't have to talk about this too much. You will learn. After some more very intense experiences and big mistakes, you will indeed learn. Okay, love you. See you next week. Next time on Dear Young Rocker, young Chelsea's yoga journey takes an interesting turn and she has more than one awakening. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis Productions and is executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. The show was written and created by me, Chelsea Erkson. I also wrote the theme song, I record and edit the episodes, and I create many of the musical pieces and sound effects you hear in the show. The other half of our two-person production team is Colin Fleming, who provides more sound design and music and also mixes the episodes. I would also love if you would join me on Instagram at Dear Young Rocker and follow Double Elvis too. I also have Facebook and Twitter, and I just really love hearing stories and seeing pictures of your own awkward young rocker beginnings. So please dig up an old picture and tag me, and I will definitely reshare it. And please, please share this story with anyone, anyone who has a young rocker in their life who you think could be touched by this, because that's the whole point. And write a review on Apple Podcasts if you like the show, because that goes far toward the goal of helping kids feel less alone, too. Thank you. Would you like a chance to win a Dear Young Rocker Season 2 poster to hang up on your bedroom wall? 
Then post a picture of your own Young Rocker self on Instagram in your story with hashtag Dear Young Rocker and tag both Double Elvis and Dear Young Rocker, and we'll randomly pick some winners from there. And thanks to Nate Gonzalez for creating this cool poster. You can find him on Instagram at Nate Moon Life. Thanks for listening, kids. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.